there will be no real non-controlled currency in the world. Exciting time to be involved in Bitcoin Cash at the moment. During that whole war, fighting versus big blocks, like were we the bad guys? Were we the ones that went listening? Fundamentally, we believe in markets, transparency, and tokenization. Come on, you gotta come stronger than that, you know, like. Hello, and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast, following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. This is episode number 84, the SEC crackdown and BlackRock ETF featuring Chadwick Bailey of Cryptocurrency Theory. Today is Sunday, 18th of June, 2023. I'm your host, Jeremy Jett, is doing the producing. And our guest today is a Bitcoin cash adopter he runs a youtube channel called cryptocurrency theory where you can find out about a lot of coins but definitely bitcoin cash and i know for sure he has been in the community uh onboarding people in his local area and stuff uh for a long time spreading the good word of satoshi so welcome to the show mate introduce yourself how'd you get into bitcoin yeah hey jeremy welcome welcome guys thanks for uh thanks for having me jen so um Ooh, how did I get into crypto? It's um, so I think it was about July of 2017. I was living with a roommate, and um, you know, long story short, he just introduced me to it. Um, you know, Coinbase, Ethereum, Bitcoin, Litecoin. That was it. Um, you know, I was hooked immediately. I remember sitting in his patio. We were talking about. He was talking a little. He knew a little bit more about it. He'd been kind of following it, and. Um, basically was like, dude, you can send this stuff. You, this is not like, I, it took me a while to get over like, is crypto a stock? You know, it seems like when people are first introduced to crypto from a non-libertarian type dynamic introduction, they're kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's a stock or what is it? I mean, that's like a common misconception. People think it's like one and the same. And, um, you know, I got, I got over that, that pretty quickly. And uh, once I started figuring out, you know, you can send this stuff, you know, you can send it to another wallet. It's this, you know, I've, I've always disliked the government. I think that's pretty obvious from my channel. I mean, I don't need, think I need to, you know, I don't need to delve into all the reasons I dislike the government. Um, we'll just leave that there. But once I found out that that was kind of the root core about it, I started reading some of these like, you know, articles on what Bitcoin was, that kind of thing. I I pretty much was instantly hooked. And I think that had I heard about it, that was the first time I heard about crypto. Had I heard about crypto in earlier years, I think I would have been just as hooked. But, you know, there's people out there that are going to love crypto that don't even know what crypto, they don't even know what Bitcoin really is. They don't know what crypto really is. So once these same people figure out what it is, they're going to be just as hooked as I was. So uh, got into it, did a little bit of trading. I think I lost like four or five Bitcoins on some exchanges just because some of my investments blew up. I made a bunch of money on these stupid ass coins like Whitecoin, um, Verge, a whole bunch of these coins that, you know, some of them are still around today. Some of them aren't, but, um, you know, I'm sure my money's kind of trailing around in the uh, the loss, uh, loss space <laughs> of the internet, but... Somebody's somebody's keeping account of it, but I, I got into it pretty quick, Jeremy. I'll, I'll just be, 
you know, I was pretty much instantly hooked. And, um, you know, even though I lost all my cryptocurrencies based on my own, just not knowing what the fuck I was doing, um, you know, I became more in tune in love with cryptocurrency, you know, where we're at now. Yeah. And so how did you start your channel? Uh, what's the story there? And also yeah, you know, yeah. branded so, it at a certain point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I've actually, this is the second attempt at a crypto channel. Um, I started one in like 2019 back around, you know, it was a couple months before the plus token scam back. I think it was like August of 2019, I think. Um, I started a channel. I was still kind of learning. It was more of a, it was a very non goal oriented channel. I really didn't have a goal in it. I just wanted to just talk about crypto. I wanted to see who was out there that wanted to converse about it and share their thoughts about it. I wanted to learn more. And, you know, I still feel like I only know the tip of the iceberg about crypto, but I'm constantly trying to um, just learn about crypto. I mean, in college, I was I, I was into like science and biology and chemistry and physics and all that stuff. Even though I wasn't particularly good at every single one of those subjects, I did take a conceptual interest in the fact that like, I'm just not a know-it-all type. I can always learn more about cryptocurrency. I can always, there's something I always don't know. And there's always something that comes up that makes me change my original uh, thought process on my approach to crypto. So I think, um, what, was, what was the question, sir? So yeah, so you just so then you decided you started the channel and that was your so you did a first channel, but then you've done, moved on to a second channel. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I did a first channel um and it was very botched. So I just decided I don't really really remember the the reason I stopped doing that channel. Um I think it was like I had this idea I was gonna do a real estate channel because I was in the process of becoming in, in the real estate uh thing. And like, I didn't know you could have multiple channels. I really didn't even know how YouTube really worked. So I kind of think I just deleted that channel and was going to do this real estate channel. And then I figured out, you know, I really didn't like talking about real estate. So, you know, I just decided, you know, and, and, and in fact, um, one of my, one of the reasons is, is I saw a lot of these YouTubers that I followed back in 2018, 2019, some of the new crypto influencers that are out there, uh, BitBoy Crypto, Cryptos Are Us, uh, Crypto... Uh, Wendy O, some of these mainstream ones. And I've all, I, I, I come from a background of working in the service industry. So I can smell bullshit a mile away, dude. Like I'm not always right on my, what I, what I uh, think, but a lot of times I am. And I knew those influencers immediately, you know, back when they had less than 10,000 subscribers were full of shit. So seeing those, those people, Four years from now, being the main face of crypto, I almost took it, took it as like a personal vendetta against them, not in a malicious way or like, you know, I want their channel to do bad or anything. I just want to be out on the internet expressing what I know and love about crypto. That way, if I were somebody new to crypto, I would want to watch my channel. That was the second, second half of why I started the crypto channel back up. Um, respect to your, your question. No, that's, a, that's amazing because I'm, I'm kind of the same, right? Is when I started my channel, there was obviously a bunch of different things that had been sort of going on in my life. So I hadn't been as involved in crypto and oh, there was all the wars in BCH and stuff. I wasn't as interested in that. But then after the uh, XCC fork and I looked, I was watching it and I was thinking like, where, where is all the content around this like it seems like there's actually a lot of passionate people really in detail history and all that and i was just thinking because in my mind it was 
obvious like bitcoin cash would start getting traction and going somewhere and I, but it's it's like it's not happening i thought why is it not happening where where these all this stuff is obvious why is there nobody explaining all this and then you know you kind of have that moment of realizing like wait it's me <laughs> i need to i need to get in there and do that it sounds like similar to you it's funny because you watch other people doing something you know the whole time and then at some point you just realize like the reason they're getting sort of cloud or they're uh, succeeding with their project is because they've been doing it for four years and i've been i haven't been doing anything <laughs> so it really really kicks you into yeah. gear in that way so i'm i'm really glad to hear that and i think we're we're seeing more and more of that in the in the bitcoin cash community right we're seeing these channels like start to start to bubble up your one my one obviously uh b chat as well who we've had on the show like Callisti was running the spaces for a while there's a lot of that stuff uh kind of starting to crop up i'd say yeah i think um I think a lot of the same people that have been become passionate over crypto in the in the the second, I mean, I don't know how many bull runs there's been this consistent blow up because you can go back and look at YouTubers that have been talking about Bitcoin all the way since back, you know, not just people like Roger Beer, not just people that are um, people that aren't really notorious in the space, but their front main video, um, their front main video is talking about people like begging people to buy Bitcoin back in like 2013. Um, yeah. and those same people still have, are still making videos yet. They're not as known. And so you have crypto influencers that are passionate about crypto. And then you have essentially marketing, uh, giant marketing campaigns like BitBoy Crypto, Cryptos Are Us, Crypto Windio, uh, Altcoin Daily. All those people have just bought and uh, subscribers, they've bought views, and they've basically taken the easy route. And I believe that those same people are fizzling out um, because their channels aren't real. There, there's no telling to what depth their channel has actual people watching their show. Because I've since I've started my crypto channel, I've had multiple people reach out from Lebanon, India, and I'm sure you've had the same thing. They guarantee you views. They guarantee you subscribers. If I wanted to have 10,000 or 100,000 subscribers, I could have that overnight. I know people that have no videos that have multiple subscribers because they've bought them. So there's people that are passionate about it. And then there's people that have rode this expansion of the digital economy, not specific to crypto, that now that the economy is shrinking, they're going to be fucked. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of I mean, those those kind of people that you're talking about, when I was getting back and starting my channel and stuff, I had no idea there was any of that. That was the funny thing about it. And what clued me into it was that I went to this uh, meetup in the Hyde Park in London. I've talked about it before on the show. And I met, this was during the lockdowns and stuff. So there was it was only this rare window that you could actually go out and meet some people and find a face-to-face, -face, get a bit of a temperature check on the ground, right? And there was like, whatever it was, 25 people there or something. And they were all, I was mind blown to find out that none of them really understood that crypto was about currency. Some of them had been listening to these types of shows. They'd all got in in the last bull run. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them had got in, in the last bull run. And there was just so much confusion going on. And they had found those channels, like you said, because those had been the flashy ones that had been paying to promote themselves onto the trending feeds or, or whatever. And they got onto that. But what I sort of believe in what I think you're saying as well too is that 
over the next, you know, maybe three to five years, those channels will kind of fade into the background a lot because it's going to be hard for them to, even if they can attract some real viewers in and between all the bots, it's hard to retain them because people look for higher quality information. And if it's just the same shilling of every different coins every week in this confused mass, and then after the coins crash, they just stop mentioning them. Or, you know, it's kind of like when the coin's going good, they say, we told you, we told you, we told you. And then when the coin's going bad, they don't kind of cop to the mistake and say, oh, you know, we got that one wrong, right? They just have already moved on to the next thing. And even if there is some market for that kind of low attention span, low info information economy, it's it's not, uh, you know, going to win out in the long run, right? Yeah, people will in the future become more interested about learning about crypto. So the same people that got fucked last bull run, um, you know, with Voyager, Celsius, all this stuff, uh, FTX, Terra Luna, those same people, there is a percentage, and I have no idea what that is, of a retention rate. That retention rate will no longer subscribe. So to these people that you can watch them five minutes and know that what they're talking about is not only pointless, um, it does, it doesn't, it doesn't have any effect on what crypto really is. So and then you have people that are coming in that are new. Well, the the people that are creating YouTube content, there's there's so many more people creating YouTube content. It's almost like back in the day, everybody was just watching YouTube. That's why you can see somebody that made a video of back 13 years ago, whenever YouTube started, uh, you know, of a dog taking a shit, and it's got like 10 billion views. And it's not because that video has any relevancy to anything going on. It's simply because it was created in phases of digital expansion. And that's not any kind of word that that's just something I made up. You know what I mean? There's these different expanding periods of um, digital revolutions per se. And that one on YouTube, unfortunately, it's basically over. Um, I'm not saying that people aren't going to make money on YouTube. I'm just going to say that it's going to become very, very much more competitive. And that's why you've seen these YouTubers recently on all those channels I've mentioned, um, do different little sponsorship programs, different letting people, you know, Cryptos or Us is letting people uh, come on their channel um, on Fridays to promote their shitcoin of the week. And basically has a disclaimer at the beginning that says, hey, uh, you know, I don't know about this. So basically pretend like you don't read this because I'm fucking you, but this is just for my own protection. So at the same time, you know, these type people, there's no telling to what threshold that the subscribers are even real, right? So a lie is a lie, man. I say it on my channel all the time. If you're lying and you're lying to people, they're going to know you're lying. And they might not say you're lying. They might not go to the extent of I do and make all these little corny little videos about, you know, uh, you know, whatever. But they know you're lying. I knew these people were lying back five fucking years ago. Sorry for cussing. I'll, uh, no, no, it's a, this is a yeah, free so, show. You're yeah, welcome to I mean, share as much. I just know they were lying, man. And, and and sure enough, here we are five years later, and I still know they're lying. So like I said, I don't want it to be about like, oh, you know, I'm I'm jealous because I didn't do it. No, it's simply the fact that if they are lying and people are watching their shit, I don't care if they're getting anybody viewing it. I'm going to call them out on it because... New people coming into crypto need to realize what cryptocurrency is and what it is not. And as the quicker they understand that, the quicker they're here to stay. So that's why on my channel all the time, 
all these little crappy ass ERC 20 staking tokens that basically are just running in the background algorithmically on multiple exchanges with this, you know, illusion that Ethereum didn't do in the beginning what crypto is not supposed to do by rolling back the fucking chain on the DAO hack. They're going to, people are going to find that shit out. And once they do, once people actually take genuine interest in ERC 20 tokens and the garbage behind on what they fundamentally are, that's when we see, you know, a shift. That's why I tell people yeah. buy my cryptos, you know, buy the ones that are, that I, that I, I say just simply because I think the ERC 20 thing is just, you know, there are, there are good ones. You know, like I told you, I think I mentioned on my channel, Osmisigo, they're, they're mint and tether on there. So there's different functions. Some of them do, but for the majority of them, they're just running in the background, waiting for nobody to buy it so they can spike and then, you know, rug the next group of idiots who come in. Yeah, it's yeah. funny that sort of retention group, you're, you're exactly right. People, it's a bit counterintuitive, but a lot of people who are not in crypto think that crypto scams put people off crypto. And that's that's actually not true uh, in a, the strangest way is that the crypto scams put the people who aren't into crypto off crypto, but the people who get in and then get scammed, they realize on average, maybe some of them don't, but most of them realize this was my fault. I fucked up here. I was, you know, playing with fire. I didn't understand what I was involved in. I got wrecked. Like stupid me. They don't. They don't kind of uh, blame. You know, I'm the victim and blaming onto the exchanges or anything. They think I'm an idiot. And probably they might have seen some discussion from some more experienced people was explaining about not your keys, not your keys. and that all kind of comes back into their head. And they think, yeah, wait. Wait, that's that's correct. And then they jump onto that, right? So do you think we're obviously we are seeing that that shift, but are you noticing it sort of around you in terms of the the people that you interact because I've seen you talking a lot on your channel and stuff, you know, same as me, like you're onboarding people in person, you're explaining to them, you're sending them a couple of dollars, or all of that. Is that process getting easier for you? No. Um, let me tell you why. The there's two types of people in this world, I believe. There's people that move forward, that take accountability, and there are people that blame others, or in this case, crypto. So a lot of people that I talk to are the second part. They blame crypto for losing their money, and they blame the world for what they didn't do. Now, these same people fall into the category, like I said, they're blamers. They blame crypto. They don't blame themselves. So these same people will be back to crypto and they'll repeat the same stupid behaviors time and time again as they repeat the same behaviors in their daily lives. So the people that are moving forward with crypto, and I've mentioned this on my channel, are you know buying crypto, supporting crypto, making genuine efforts and attempts to tell people what cryptocurrency is and that's just, that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. So I think people, um, there have been people, the younger generation um, or the younger, I'm almost 36. So I've taken a, a little bit more of a, um, I'm a little more apt to, to have longer conversations with the, the younger crowd around the 18, 19, uh, under 25 range, uh, because they're still open to learning about like what, what I have to say. But a lot of people I talk to, you know, I go to go to the gym and a lot of the conversations I have are in the sauna with other, you know, people uh, enjoying the sauna, talking. And a lot of people come in there and start talking about investments. And when I bring cryptocurrency up, 
a lot of these same people will act like they know everything about crypto, but within their first two or three sentences, what they say leads me to absolute confidence that they know nothing about cryptocurrency at all, but they are speaking as if they're experts. So really, I think the younger generation is you know, more open to understanding about what cryptocurrency is, and they're more likely to be the ones that uh, use it as payments, you know, tip their friends, buy concert tickets, crowdfund, that kind of thing, rather than the older group that's like, oh, well, I need to invest in the new Bitcoin spot ETF because Bitcoin's going to rise soon. It's just, it's like apples and oranges, man. They're, they're both entry points to the money factor of coming into crypto, but they're two different. I mean, the younger generation isn't going to like that it's going to be $20 for a hamburger. The older generation will pay it if they have it and they'll be sour about it. Oh, everything's so expensive. They're going to, the mindset has to change about not only cryptocurrency, but investments, money, and all of it is changing. So I think the younger crowd is a little more open to it to answer your question. Specifically, they're a little more open to the fact of not being so, uh, you know, living in the past type. So that's what I try to make sure I talk about on my channel. And uh, that's how I live my life. I mean, I try to, you know, I don't assume because of my experience, which is irrelevant to life, uh, because experience is relative, right? Like, you know, you talk to an 18-year-old millionaire who's a crypto millionaire that did all the right things, and you talk to some old fucking... Uh, you know, wooden teeth, old guy with, uh, you know, that's rich, but did all the wrong things. Right. So that's the spectrum gap. I think it'll all flow into crypto inevitably, uh, just simply because that's probably one of the main things I talk about on my channel is, is it mineable? Is, can you use it for payments? Because that is the floodgates that we want. We don't want all this like speculation crap of like trying to like pin, you know, uh, social economic, things you're hearing about on the news into crypto. It's stupid. It's dumb. So I think peer-to-peer payments is the fundamental element of what layer one says on basically in the, on the, I think it's the third or fourth page of the uh, Bitcoin white paper on layer one, on layer one. We don't need all these hypotheticals of layer two on Ethereum to, to drop costs down. Layer one, that's what it was. It's supposed to be a public ledger for uh, infinity amount of time. There is no, you're not supposed to be this layer two, like, oh, I have this great idea of a layer two that will, will settle layer one for you. No, that's not, that's not, I'm not, there's mathematical codes in the white paper that even though I don't specifically know how to interpret it, I know that those hashes are supposed to be moving forward with everybody knowing through the way the op codes work, the way the, the fundamental infrastructure of Bitcoin in the background is supposed to be running. It is supposed to be on layer one and everybody is supposed to know about the transactions. There's not these like bust and booms of settling on layer two and then, or or settling on layer two, and then we'll let everybody on layer one know. It gives everybody a disadvantage. It's supposed to be a transparent ledger on layer one. There is no need for layer two and it doesn't take a computer scientist or, you know, a genius to figure out that, They've done this on Ethereum and it's made Ethereum worse. Now, hell, Ethereum could fucking stake the entire Bitcoin network if it got to the magnitude of being able to, which is a scary thought, by the way. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I'm uh, interested to hear that. Yeah, it's cool. two markets. It's two markets. Before back 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 in 2017, there were only two markets: the Bitcoin market, yeah, and the Ethereum market. Sure, uh, there was trading pairs on Litecoin. There was a little bit of stuff going on, but for the most part, there's two markets: Ethereum market, Bitcoin core market. That's changed a lot today, and you know it's got a lot more complicated, but. A lot more diverse, yeah. So speaking of the markets, then we got to so this week we got to check in with the price USD one hundred and seven dollars and seventy six cents. BCH down a little bit. SEC have wrecked the entire market. We got down nearly. Did we even get under a hundred? I think we got hundred and one. I was watching uh, cryptocurrencies as they crash, and I believe I saw Bitcoin Cash go down to eighty one or eighty seven US dollars briefly, very quickly. Now it spiked back up to ninety something. Uh, and I actually made a short video of the volatility on, I don't know where Robin BSV, is. right? Well, yeah. on Bitcoin Cash on the short video, but uh, all of them were, but Bitcoin Cash, I don't know where Robinhood pulls their, um, I don't I don't know where their feed comes from, the Bitfinex, I don't know where it's from, but the volatility on Bitcoin Cash was going between $93 and $97 in incremental, um, you know, troughs, right? Like, so the whole spread of the volatility occurring on that particular exchange and Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin SV, um, you know, I know, know we're talking about Bitcoin Cash, but Bitcoin SV went all the way down to $17, which was a 39 or 49% decrease before recovering back up to over $23. So, you know, that and Dash collapsed too. I mean, Dash went down under, I thought, man, I think I saw Dash at like $21. It's, it's about 30, I think now, but a lot of the cryptos, especially the privacy coins on that Binance thing, they... <laughs> they are a bit wrecked. One yeah. BTC is 247.8 BCH, which is down a bit on the ratio. One ETH is 16.3 BCH. So we're still flat against them. So speaking of the markets, what sort of position, are, you know, this is your chance to comment and, uh, you know, not financial advice, but in, in your view, are we just going to roll our way through to another bull market next year? Is it kind of going to take longer than that for things to to build up? Is everybody kind of a bit over the whole crypto thing and it's going to take longer than we expect? What what do you make of the the future? Um, as far as the future of crypto, it's going to be bigger, better than ever. And that's simply because people like me, you, Jet, and everybody else in the community are more passionate despite the price loss or price drop, whatever. So um, does cryptocurrency have to follow this pattern nature? No, I don't think so. And I think that a lot of the reasons um, it doesn't is simply because just because something, when we look at a graph of crypto, we're looking back in the past. That doesn't dictate on how many derivatives are built on top, suppressing the price of Bitcoin cash or how many delistings on BSV are occurring or how many dumps are happening on Zcash based on the way the mining works or how much um how much dash actually could play into an overall crypto pump especially on the altcoin trading pairs like bitcoin cash and a lot of the other cryptos and the whole ethereum move to pr proof of stake thing which you know i think that's the worst thing for crypto but that's just me you know i don't think that um i don't think the the market sees it that way i think they're all for ethereum and, and if you ask most of the people that own ethereum um, they don't even know what they own and they don't even, and, and a lot of times the, the people say, oh, well, uh, Ethereum is, has the most developers. So what does that mean? What, what, what does that mean? It's just easier for them to build on Ethereum at the current moment. You could go build on Ethereum back in 2017 
I could have built a token on Ethereum in 2018 when they had the MIS platform, which was basic. And dude, I ran this from an old ass Mac. I mean, like the Mac I ran it on was like a 2015, 2016, like a uh, whatever processor they use, like a G4 or the old, the old ones, right? And you could download the entire um, entire Ethereum blockchain on MIST, which was their, I don't know if it was their OS or their, what you see when you're building the token. It was like the interface that you see is called MIST. They don't have it anymore, but you could basically create a token. And I've created tokens before on like Waves platform and other platforms. And surprisingly, interesting story, when I created my token on Waves, I actually got to a point where somebody was buying my token that was making it unaffordable for me to just play around with it and make the graph go up. So somebody, whether that was a real entity or a programmed way of tracking the fact of knowing what I was doing, they were able to outmatch my price where it's like, dude, I'm not paying fucking 30 cents to watch this graph go up. So even though I had limit orders set, there was no way for me to like play around with it. Eventually I just abandoned my own project. And it was just a project that I had like two bucks in. It wasn't like, or maybe eight bucks or whatever waves was at the time. It wasn't like a project that I was like trying to like, you know, get people to buy. It was just me. But something in the background was, um, you know, taking that, that position out for me. So the same thing could be happening with Ethereum and the whole thing could be rigged. Okay. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> no, no, no. That's uh, that's super cool that you were making your own uh, tokens and, and stuff. Well, that's, a, that's a crazy little story. You didn't even promote it to anyone. And yet suddenly the bots were in there trading away. That gives yeah, us an indication of, of how the trading it. So like, <laughs> not letting, letting me trade where I just basically had to abandon what I had left in it, which is probably like, I don't know, 10 bucks or more, but still... <laughs> That's classic. All right. I got to give an update on Celine as well. Obviously, our flip starter got funded. So huge shout out to we had 32 contributors. So thank you very much to Majamalu, Turek, Satoshi Nakamoto, Erdogan Talk, Mike Komaransky, Anonymous, uh, Philip J. Fry, Random Peasant Six, Cheap Lightning, uh, Jet, you're in there too. Uh, thanks for contributing. Uh, imaginary username, F Shine Top, Emergent Reasons, 2QX. Bernan Castle, uh, Mainnet Pat, Yasin, Chat GPT, Bitcoin Out Loud, Zed Mac 1 and 3, Omar for Freedom, Max uh, Hastings, Sandaka's Man, Sidwell, Steve 2048, Gustavo Coins for Clothes, KDM 2718, Pantera BCH, and five more anonymous. Thank you very much for contributing. It's been amazing. Uh, obviously, the project now has a bit of resources to play with. Uh, we've released v 1.0.8, which fixed the change outputs and made the toast notifications a little slicker. Callisti was saying, I think that we've now got 95 uh, downloads on the Google Play Store. So we're already close to 100. And the next release uh, is planning to have the iOS uh, rollout in it, as well as the updated UI for sending and receiving. So it's much slicker and possibly also translations in up to 22 languages so plenty more in the in the pipeline there and uh yeah huge shout out thanks to everybody who has uh funded that um all right cool had to give the update there so first topic of the day sec uh is suing binance and coinbase so this week or i guess maybe last week the sec decided that binance had 10 tokens it deems to be unregistered crypto asset securities. So Solana, 
uh, Sol, Ada, Matic, Filecoin, Atom. What's this one? Stand, Mana, Al- Alg- Algorand, AXS, and Cotl. I, or Cotty. I don't know that one. I believe Dash was on there too, but I mean, I heard that from Free Talk Live. I'm not sure if it was. Did you see Dash on there? Well, because the, the problem is that these they sued Binance for some and they sued Coinbase for some other ones. And then they've previously also done, so the Dash might've been on the Coinbase uh, lawsuit. So it's clearly obviously a mess as per usual where they're just firing off uh, kind of semi-randomly onto different different coins. There's not a consistent approach as we've discussed on this show before. Part of the game of the regulators is to keep it vague and confused in order to be able to arbitrarily target whoever whoever they want, right? If they give it a consistent strategy then people will obviously just follow those rules and then that would be the end of the problem but they kind of like having that having that same problem right so bitcoin cash was not on the targeted list uh except that the price kind of crashed uh a bit so on one hand that's kind of good for us because the competitors are getting a bit wrecked but people who were celebrating this i found a bit naive because really it's just a case of if the meddling is going to go on, well, they're clearly going to come for us in the end too. It's just a divide and conquer strategy. But a lot of BTC people were actually over the moon that all these uh, regulations and suing was going of their competitor kind of like, oh, they deserve to be culled out as these shit coins. But I think they're just completely naive as to how the capture is going to start there and then spread around onto other coins. What do you think? I think that basically, for one, the fact that they put Dash into this is just the stupidest thing ever. Um, Dash is not only obviously mineable, um, it's on the it, it's probably one of the more closely related coins to Bitcoin Cash, even though the mining and the way the master nodes run is different. Um, but to say Dash is a, um, a, a security, uh, whether I, I believe you're right, I believe it was Coinbase, um, is so far from, and I personally think that they're trying to attack Dash uh, because Free Talk Live uh, promotes it on their 200 plus radio stations around the world, uh, which is the you know largest libertarian uh, radio station in the world, and they promote it. They're paid to promote it, but they promote it all the time. And you know, with the Crypto Six coming up, uh, uh, Ian is going to be sentenced pretty soon here. I, I believe it's coming up, and then um, Aria, you know, has to do 18 months, and that's coming up in the next uh, week because they were selling uh, basically on uh, local bitcoins to people that they, you know, without a, a money trend. There's a whole bunch of list of stuff, but I think that's the reason the SEC is coming after, or yeah, the SEC and regulators coming after dash specifically and they're they're saying oh well back you know they switched to where the master nodes had more voting and that's a whole bunch of bullshit because the way that the mining works it doesn't make any sense and as far as filecoin i think they're taking an aim at that just simply because china is one of the largest uh miners of filecoin even though it's a silicon or i think it's up in san francisco or whatnot the the devs but and the people that founded it but at the same time china has increasingly uh, started mining Filecoin. So I think that's specifically why they're attacking those two. As far as the other ones, I think Algorand has some type of predictions market, but I might be confusing that with Augur. So, you know, some of these ones that are, um, you know, proof of stake, like it, are they securities? Well, they're not coming after Ethereum, which seems like would be the main one they would, because, you know, that would make the whole thing unravel quicker if they wanted to take a, but they can't, right? They can't, 
that, you know, it's like, it's like XRP, like, yeah, I might not be able to buy it here in the United States from exchanges, but I can trade it and swap it on the Exodus wallet. No problem. You know, I can still do all those things. So um, I think they're going to have to bend, the U S is going to have to bend over and take it at some point um, because they have no choice. They're going to have to, they're going to lose either way because they're going to give up the power. Uh, they're going to give up a world power to someone else if they don't bend over and take it. So they're going to have to bend over and take it. Um, you know, that certainly seems to be the way, right? A lot of people are saying, you know, there's been this back and forth, uh, as been a bit sort of on the edge as to various countries. Are they pro or anti crypto, you know, all that kind of thing. It's sort of slowly shaking it its way out, but the U S would be obviously a key player because they can set the tone globally but if they are against crypto and certainly with this fresh round of sort of attacks it seems to have come out uh quite anti-crypto at least in the current way the wind is blowing and a lot of people have been saying look like crypto is not going to stop for us if we are kicking it out all the innovation is going elsewhere and we're just going to be behind the eight ball you know in five years or in 10 years where this kind of uh attacks or uncertainty the companies just flow around it. You know, they move their headquarters to somewhere else or somebody's starting a new project. They don't do it inside the US. They do it with their mate in a different country or, or whatever to kind of get around that. And so I think that's something, I mean, you're in America, right? So do you have any sense of the on the ground reality of that? Are people concerned about that in the American public, you think? No, no, they're not. Um, they're not concerned about it in large masses. Uh, and what I mean by that is the local, the, the the normal civilian here is only concerned about, you know, non-stuff crypto related. As long as they have money to survive, they don't care. They don't, they don't, they don't give a shit about the Ukraine. They might post about it on Facebook or put a little heart, but they don't actually really, as long as it doesn't interrupt their lives, they don't give a fuck what kind of currency they're using. They don't care if it's crypto. They don't care about stocks. They don't care about cryptocurrencies. They don't care about any of that shit. What they care about is their most satisfying, their most immediate needs. And that applies to the entire world, not just here in the United States. Now, I think back if to, to address your question specifically, that this has already been proven among cryptocurrency on a wider, broader global scale um, in the form of neo crypto. And again, I know I'm talking about a variety of cryptos. Obviously, Bitcoin Cash is no, the largest holding. But so NEO has already proven this. NEO was the, uh, I believe, was the first ICO ever raised. I don't know if it was bigger than Tezos. You know, the the prices of stuff changes, but it was the first in the form of Ant shares, and it is alive and well in China and everywhere around the world um, in the form of NEO now. And basically, if you apply that. Just that simple notion to the fact that most of the hash power in crypto, because right now it's on BT Core, unfortunately, um, is out of the US, number one. Secondly, China, and then China's neighbor, which is like Kazakhstan or Ubikistan or whatever that country is that borders China, which is basically China just exploiting their uh, cheap electricity, because we know that Ubikistan is not a global world power, nor do we you know, care that they're in between Russia and China. But they are China, right? So really it's China and the US. And isn't it a little ironic that the local Chinese, mainland China, not Hong Kong, Hong Kongese can't buy crypto, yet China government has basically controlled the world hash power over there. 
more than the U.S. If you add Uzbekistan or Kazakhstan or whatever to G, whatever the bordering country is, they have more hash power than the United States. So you know, we've seen coins like Neo, we've seen coins like Quantum, we've seen mineable cryptocurrencies that have came out of Asia. And yeah, some of them might be not China; they might be Singaporean or whatever. But the founders are all Chinese, and they've been some of the best performing and most volatile coins pretty much this year, and have been the best performers of the last you know ten years on some of them. Um, you know, tens and twenties, fifty thousand percent up if you go back and you look at them from when they first actually raised the ICO. And um, you know, I think the debate on whether or not uh, the U.S. is going to keep fucking around is is basically um, irrelevant to what crypto will do. Moving forward, it's not going to stop crypto. You know, I can send yeah. I can I can send somebody Bitcoin Cash in China, in mainland China. There's not not n- nothing stopping that, you know, other than the government saying you can't do it. But we all know that <laughs> the hash power is coming out of there. So you know, somebody you know, somebody give me some kind of reasoning for that, right? Why would China? If China really didn't like crypto, you can't even you can't even run a red light in China without getting a ticket in the mail. And sure. A lot of it might be, you know, happening out in the in the in the rural areas. But if China really wanted to shut down crypto, they'd shut down the hash power. But they haven't done that. They've actually done the exact opposite. And look at Jihan Wu. I don't know if he's still the CEO of Bitmain, but all the equipment was coming out of there. So my point is, is if regulatory, uh, the Gestapo of China wanted to basically shut down crypto, they could just because of the way that they're their social economics is set up. They could, honestly, if they wanted to shut it down in their country. Sure. They might not be able to shut it, you know, the trading down or sending it, but they could literally shut it down from the, the core of the hash power. And they just haven't done that. So I don't think, uh, I think between that Neo and uh, those two things, I think that it's pretty clear that crypto's already won that type of battle in the worst of places. Yeah. Yeah, true. And so we've got the kind of comedy central of the regulators here. So there's this week the US SEC uh, tweeted out, today we charge Coinbase with operating its crypto asset trading platform as an unregistered national securities exchange broker and clearing agency and for failing to register the offer and sale of its crypto asset staking as a service program and then a whole uh, thing here about you simply can't ignore the rules because you don't like them or because you'd prefer different ones. And then you have uh, Gary Gensler himself quote tweeting that saying Coinbase's alleged failures deprive investors of critical protections, including rule books that prevent fraud and ma- manipulation, blah, 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 a bit more stuff. But then he got uh, he got community noted uh, with by the reader base of Twitter who said, Coinbase has repeatedly attempted to get guidance and include the SEC. Recently, Coinbase has had to sue the SEC to attempt to get simple clarity over the issues that this tweet alleges Coinbase is guilty of. So it's just this complete sham where the crypto industry is trying to cooperate and has been for quite a long time. But uh, day by day, you know, time, time marches forward. If the government's not giving regulation or they're just acting in this weird erratic fashion which is kind of by design but as long as they're doing that then the rest of the world is not you know the like you said the investors in china or in other places in europe in asia in asia and south america and africa wherever are just cracking on with it so if america turns into a bit of a disaster it really seems mostly just a problem a problem for them individually i would say 
Yeah, I mean, we got we you have to remember too uh, as a reminder for whoever whoever is watching Jeremy's live stream right now. Crypto is a world market, okay? So, you know, Africa, we've been going over there for thousands of years exploring their resources. Who has all their infrastructure for communications in Africa? China. They've been building it out there for 30 years. The US is already we saw Yellen run over to Africa to try to do this weird like uh like weird thing that like we're here to help now or and you know like we're 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 ready to come here now but china's been there for the last 30 years and to be frank africa is one of the most developing country or continents in the world with a variety of countries that are already developed like south africa kenya nigeria yeah they might not be the best places to live now but you know just shows you the amount of growth everybody in african countries they pay like chinese do on QR codes. They don't pay with these debit cards. China skipped that whole thing. They didn't have credit cards and debit cards. Yeah, they're over there, but I'm saying on a mass scale, people don't use them. They use QR codes. They use tap to pay, that kind of thing. So that fundamentally is how crypto is used already. So if they want to, which they don't have the knowledge of it yet, they could they could, they could could switch over to using crypto almost immediately because the the payment tools are already in, already there uh, through coins like Bitcoin Cash, that kind of thing. And, you know, we just see this thing with Lightning Network where they're trying to like rush to give them something to use. But in reality, um, you know, it's an ongoing race that I think that Bitcoin Cash essentially uh, can win or at least be a, uh, you know, in line with or right there, right? Or like right there at that moment, that that, that key moment, right? That's an excellent point, actually, that I hadn't really ever thought about i'm familiar that in china yeah we uh what's it called wechat pay weixin like they're using the uh, scan to pay and that's already sort of embedded in the cultural consciousness but i've never been to africa so i don't i don't know but it's fascinating if they actually already have those same flows in built into their consumer habits then i've researched it yeah i've researched it. it is the exact their whole telecommunications communications all their infrastructures chinese it's basically China, how the how the how, how like the the Western society tried to dominate the Asia, the, the Pacific Rim countries. You know, it's that same it's that same dynamic. But here we're just in the present. There we're in the past. So, um, you know, the way that the way that Africa could play into this is probably one of the largest because remember. I don't know on a grand scheme of things where Africa falls as a continent, but I know they are absolutely loaded with all sorts of uh, rare minerals, um, you know, things to build out batteries, all that stuff. They're not the only place, but they're a large place. So if they can, if corporations, which again, goes back to uh, or non-government entities per se, non-government entities, um, which goes back to the original Bitcoin libertarian thesis white paper, if those entities come into place, then they will, um, it will be a precursor for potentially the biggest inflow into crypto because it will be a variety of different ways will funnel into the payment system type uh, usage for crypto. So a lot of people always forget about Africa, but you know they are one of the fastest developing countries in the world. Um, so China doesn't even have to allow crypto. They can let Africa 
be Africa and they'll, you know, they have hash power. The whole thing kind of works into the way that the world superpowers are, are kind of in place already. But I think that Africa is probably one of the sleeping giants uh, for crypto. And we just don't know it yet. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Very, very strong points. And I've mentioned on the show several times before about Nigeria, I think is one to watch. We definitely have a strong BCH uh, community in their sixth largest country in the world by demographics huge uh tech hub huge google search interest in bitcoin i think there's clearly you know there's all the ingredients there for something to just uh kick off at it or go go viral at a certain we haven't seen it yet but uh i want to yeah reiterate that uh prediction because i think we'll see it in you know the next few years so speaking of the superpowers then we also have this case of blackrock the world's largest uh, asset manager with $8.59 trillion in wealth under management have now filed to run a Bitcoin ETF, which has been this bugbear of the industry for quite a long time, probably a, nearly a decade now with Barry Silbert and the Winklevoss twins and different people have been trying to file to get these ETFs approved so that they can have Bitcoin held in these various uh you know, financial products that are available to people in their uh, retirement accounts and their stockbrokers and all that kind of stuff, like a huge pool of sort of users that is not necessarily even going to be exposed to Coinbase or um, Robinhood or anything like that, much less holding their own keys. So there's the classic case where in 2017, there's a headline here, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink calls Bitcoin an index of money laundering. And then, of course, here you are in 2023, six years later, BlackRock files for spot Bitcoin ETF with Coinbase as a crypto custodian. So the difference here might be that these guys are now so big, we're talking about the biggest pools of money in the world, that they might have enough sort of political connections and stuff to get this kind of thing over the line as the legacy financial system truly entrenches into crypto especially obviously bitcoin btc which is so little sort of traded among the the population peer-to-peer anymore what what do you make of, of this well i mean this is kind of the same thing with jamie diamond right the from chase that bitcoin's going to go to zero i think it's in your introduction video um you know it's simply say one thing do another so don't look at what these people say, look at what they do, look at what politicians do, look at what these corporate hierarchy of entities do. Don't focus on what they're saying because they're basically just lying sacks of scum. So basically moving forward, you know, I think the interesting thing to note in particular about the Bitcoin ETF is I think what they're looking for is a Bitcoin spot ETF, which is different from the varieties, I believe, and don't quote me on this, I haven't researched it in depth, just simply because I don't care. I think personally, that ETFs will be a, um, what is the word, a um, precursor to increased volatility among the real crypto prices in the settling layer, aka layer one. But I do believe that um, the, the current ETFs, and again, I'm not 100% sure, I believe the current ETFs are based on different things. Like I know for one, the futures price on Bitcoin, BTC core, as well as there is uh, Bitcoin pro shares, which is like a minimum that they hold in treasuries, which is very strange to think that like they're holding treasuries on the behalf of a BTC paired 
um, fractional whatever, you know, the way that stocks work in general, ETFs are already uh, very, very not confusing, but they're very built on one atop of each other. There's different derivatives and functions that um, essentially cancel out certain values, but create new values too that don't really exist. That's why a lot of these ETFs are, you know, I, I was thinking a couple of years ago that ETFs could be the whole reason the stock market crashes, but we haven't seen that yet. But that's because they keep building these new ETFs that are like built on top of each other, creating new possible functions, but the functions have to be have to be have to be re keep creating for the whole thing to work. Like once there's a stopping point, all these functions basically stop canceling each other, and then the function falls back on the original value, which I think is the reason that uh, these ETFs are great for crypto. Like bring them on because on a fundamental level, if we have people coming in already that are unattached to these ETF, even a spot price doesn't really matter. I don't think BlackRock has even being the world assets under management. I don't personally believe if they're, I don't know what their, I don't know what their AMU, AUM uh, total is. That might be more than a trillion dollars. It probably is. It's probably several trillion where they think they can just come in here, uh, you know, put an ETF on a spot price of Bitcoin and start basically using their liquidity to crush Bitcoin. And that ain't going to fucking happen because you don't think Satoshi realized that? Sure, there might be the exchange rate for crypto, but the actual fundamental computer software in the background running might not, that might not be, it might not be possible to control Bitcoin. It might start acting in ways we've never seen uh, if they try to introduce like, I don't know what the crypto market cap is, somewhere like a trillion and a half, whatever it is. They introduced BlackRock, BlackRock tries to come in here and try to create an ETF of uh, a market cap of, you know, 10 trillion. I'm just giving you an example. It wouldn't be that much, but and then they try to run B BTC. Well, B Bitcoin, you know, think of all the trading pairs it has to it. Where, where does the inflows of money go just because they're trying to pin it to a derivative? It it does, It's not going to work. So this whole thing of like BlackRock creating an ETF, sure, that might create uh, people coming in to, to trade the ETF because there's spot price on it. But, you know, Ethereum's proof of stake now, like what is really going on here? People have to think of like what is really going on here in terms of the timing of this, you know, we've been trying to get a BT, uh, ETF for a while. We have ETFs for crypto. They're just not spot spot price ETFs. I don't think there might even be one, you know, technically, you know, I don't know what the grayscale Bitcoin holding trust is, but it's based on a fractional share price for uh, increment on Bitcoin. So like, I, I don't really know enough about it to give you a, a clear cut answer. I just don't think it really matters for cryptocurrency because that money is going to flow. Crypto is designed at its root core to let all the money come in, regardless of the price being down or up or the market cap or you know the trading pairs or these pirate exchanges that we've seen like hit BTC. Nothing, none of that really matters because the money is still going to get sucked in. Crypto is like a black hole and nothing escapes it. So as much as, and I think that's personally one of the reasons Bitcoin cash price is down so much, as well as Dash, Bitcoin SB, and a whole bunch of other cryptos, is simply because the exchanges are trying to suppress these prices. But at the root core, that will reverse. And it's like a black hole. And it's just going to be like, you know, all these prices, all these uh, ERC-20 tokens that are garbage, you know, most of the mineable cryptocurrencies, I believe, are going to balloon to uh, to to, to uh, be the, the difference in 
all this stuff that they're trying to make work and what really works in crypto, the difference will be the increase against Bitcoin Core, like we saw in Dash in uh, the spring, summer of 2017 or 16. We're going to see that balloon effect again. It's going to happen. It's going to happen because they're, they keep trying to you know put all these forks in the road, but the road is just the road and nothing will stop the road. It's not like they can do this kind of shit in the stock markets. They can do this type of shit with ETF and index funds on major market cap stocks like Tesla and stuff. They can kind of pin it, but they're not going to be able to do it with crypto simply because the people that work at the exchanges are the same people that build out all this stuff for the NYSE and NASDAQ and all that. So they ain't going to let it happen. They're going to make sure that crypto is guarded. So a lot of people say bad things about exchanges, but it's essentially exchanges are guarding safeguarding crypto in a sense, in a broad sense. They're not, you know, I'm not telling people, hey, like go leave your money on exchanges, but they are guarding it. If we look at specifically this Binance US, like only Binance US people are, are going to be able to like move assets for Binance US, like what the fuck is that? You're going to be able to move their funds to another wallet and then you're going to centralize those wallets based on Binance U US so they're basically stealing Binance US funds, basically, because recently what's occurred is they were trying to freeze assets. Well, they the judge signed off, I believe it was yesterday, they signed off that Binance US employees are able to basically move the funds to new wallet addresses. So, you know, centralization, they're basically, you know, trying to control Binance US and they'll probably, I bet we'll look at this a year from now or whatever, or however long it takes in the snail judicial system here, that there's probably going to be like this like centralized entity of coins that I think the US is just basically trying to steal because this doesn't affect Binance. <laughs> CZ said it, I mean, I'm not on Twitter, but I read, you know, from the post, like Binance is fine. You know, Binance US is like a small pimple on the, 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 it's very small. Like it's not, you know, back before Binance US is when if the US really wanted to come after Binance, when we saw tokens like Storm and all these like tokens hitting the Binance platform and booting immediately, that would have been when they could have made a move. Now they wouldn't have won because the Binance would have just left. But Binance US is not Binance. So they're going to quickly find out that Binance doesn't, you know, we'll find out how much Binance really has in the crypto game. But at the same time, I don't think it's going to be a lot. I personally, from, from the record, yeah. I don't think Binance US really, you know, Binance US could shut down tomorrow. And I don't think it would affect the, the liquidity of what's really happening on Binance, the actual worldwide exchange. Yeah, there's been this kind of angle that you're going on there that, these BlackRock uh, investments and so on is sort of like a, it's a it's an attack, you know, that they're trying to find a way in with these huge sums of money to try and put the genie back back in the bottle. People have been theorizing a lot around that. There's been a lot of discussion about that in terms of uh, you know obviously how it plays into it with with Binance, and then also one of the things that came up in this filing was that they had some language in their uh, filing about if there is another Bitcoin chain split, if there is another like BDC, BCH divergence, that they would get to decide themselves which one they felt was sort of the real Bitcoin, quote unquote, and then they weren't really going to honor anyone's 
uh, uh, deposit. They're trying to play. They're trying to play. Yeah, they're trying to play node mining gods, and you can't play god like that in crypto. The way this stuff is set up, it eliminates that factor. So, what like like you just said, they're trying to control their version of Bitcoin. Why? Because they want to onboard everybody to a layer two. That way, they really control Bitcoin. That is what layer two is. It is a settlement layer. Think of think of lightning, and I know you know what it is, but I'm for anybody watching it. Think of it as a like. I'm going to use the word masternode, not in the sense of dash. I'm going to use it in the word masternode as this giant fucking liquidity pool that is happening off chain that they will let layer one know how it settles. Right? Bitcoin Cash, all the forks of Bitcoin, even Bitcoin Gold. They solved this when they saw, see crypto always sees the problems like years before. So they already split the chains. And now do you think it matters for a miner in China, which one they're going to mine if the price of one goes up? Because they can literally switch with like a switch. You know, Joshua Hensley on my channel was talking about this. They can go Bitcoin gold. They can go Bitcoin, they can go Bitcoin SV, Bitcoin cash, Bitcoin gold. And now there's a chase to like find the real Bitcoin, right? Because the the true Bitcoin holders, I believe, you know, not that I hold as many Bitcoin cores, but it's only because I'm late to the game. If I was seeing myself in the past, you know, if we were sitting here having a conversation on, on, uh, you know, on video chat before Zoom 10 years ago, I probably would be saying the same thing. I would probably be saying like, we're seeing this coming. We're seeing the you know, we're seeing the mempool fill up. We're seeing this slowdown of like people actually using it. We're seeing all these dumbass people come in here that don't know what the fuck they're even buying. You've seen Coinbase around for five years, yet now everybody's talking about it. So they see all these things coming and it's like, they're ready for it ahead of before it happens. So let's split the chains. You know, if I was a real Bitcoin guy, you know, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have any need to sell my Bitcoin. Sure, I might be averaging down, and that that might be what the exchanges are doing. They're they're preparing for Bitcoin Cash and some of these forks. And if you look at Bitcoin Gold, the way it trades is very interesting. On a side note, and I recommend if anybody's watching this, you know, look at the way Bitcoin Gold trades on a spot price. It's almost like it's capturing every single lost trade uh, that's happening in the background. So. That might be what the that might be why we see this like downward slump, right? On Bitcoin Cash from like the the BTC core um price, right? Is we're seeing this downward just trend. But that you gotta remember the exchanges hold so much of this stuff, they could be like slowly not dumping, but actually slowly buying Bitcoin cash at a profitable because there's you know, there's profits running in the back to mine it. I think it's like I don't remember what it was, like 69 cents profitability on Bitcoin Cash or whatever, whatever the number is or something. So this can all quickly reverse and they can they can just make up all that money in fiat dollars like immediately, right? Because the mining, they're, they're, a lot of these people that operate exchanges, they have mining, they have different businesses within crypto. It's not just they have the exchange. Sure, Binance might just have the exchange, but they might have miners. They might have tons of minings. They might be friends with Jihan Wu. I mean, this community is very tight knit. The farther you go back, and the farther you go back, the smaller it becomes. We've seen that from the wallet distribution on BTC Core and Bitcoin Cash. Seen that on the wallet distribution. The farther you go back, the smaller the community is. So 
you know, they're, they're all working together to keep crypto safe, irrelevant from the price. Like Bitcoin Cash, just because it's been going down for five years against Bitcoin Core, that is not necessarily a bad thing. It's also one of the only coins that's been trending down against Bitcoin Core, very similar to Dash, very similar to, to Zcash and other mineable cryptos, not like these weird spikes with the ERC-20 tokens, which like, by the way, can out of nowhere almost just spike like 7-800%. And that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? So it's a different dynamic once you start applying the idea of a mineable crypto exchanges, mining, tokenomics, the way everything works. You know, I think um, I think it's a great way to secure. I think that the chain split was great, even for BTC Core almost, because it almost secures it um, without securing it. Like if the price of Bitcoin goes to a dollar and Bitcoin Cash goes right up to 20,000 or whatever the price is of Core right now, those same people holding it really don't care. They don't care, right? So it's almost like, well, yeah, Bitcoin Cash can go down for a while until people... And so we decide that Bitcoin's very far from what it should be. And, you know, then it switches. We'll see how loyal those BTC people really are when that happens. Uh, and I bet you they're not going to be as loyal as everybody thinks. So <laughs> exchanges will go, the exchanges will go where the loyalty is because CZ sold his house in Shanghai to buy Bitcoin and lost it all. You know, Jihan Wu, they've all lost money in, in crypto. So they've experienced that and they're not going to let, they're, they're going to follow where the loyalty is in the community. They're not going to really follow some, you know, number because the number they can control already. They know where the numbers are, right? They, they, they know where they're, they literally know where the numbers are because they're creating it on the exchange, you yes. know? So I think yes. Binance showed, showed how much their control is with how Binance coin performed against BTC Core. And I don't own any Binance coin, by the way. Well, they're, yeah, they're, well, they're starting to, they're starting to struggle. So this is something I've got a slide here. Are we hitting the tipping point you know once you factor in all these things right you've got the BlackRock stuff you've got the big moves around finance you've got the sec kind of getting involved like crypto is now being played like in the big leagues exactly as you're uh yes. describing so we have the fed now uh cbdc system is starting to roll out supposedly from next month so it's really was playing for high stakes here in the in the global economy when it comes to crypto i tend to take that as quite positive for crypto because the way that it works it's uh decentralized right but the the crypto community coordinates itself indirectly via the blockchain right like the there economics will be and the, no real uh, blockchain flows just sort of direct everybody Whereas if different people are all trying to get in there and attack crypto in different ways, they're going to kind of stumble over each other, right? It's much harder for attacking crypto to be a coordinated assault that makes sense. Instead, like they, you know, they're going to be getting in each other's way versus the community defending it, you know, is already coordinated. That's what the blockchain does. It syncs everyone up onto the same standard. So what do you, what do you make of this? Yeah. Yeah. So you said something like a defense, right? So crypto also has a offensive approach, right? They they are able to maneuver this stuff before it happens. And, you know, like we've seen we've seen this. I mean, countless times. But when when crypto basically we see these downturns, yeah, from a communication point to the general public and to the exchange, we see oh, crypto prices are down. But we also see other 
um, other values that are non-related to actual price, right? We see loyalty among community of how many people are dumping coins because the liquidity and volumes are so slow. I think there was only, you know, I think last I checked, there was only like 440 something transactions on the mempool for Bitcoin Cash, right? Like waiting, kind of waiting in line, right? So it's like from a, you know, general, not so qualified mathematician standpoint, you can kind of sit here and say, oh, okay, well, you have this community that is not selling a lot, right? Because they they know the they know the transactions. They can see them. You know, they brought when you broadcast a, a network transaction, the whole network sees it, right? So my point is, is there and, and let me just wrap this part up because I feel like I'm I'm drifting here. But basically, during these periods of downtime and price also allows people that are super hardcore into crypto, whether it's exchanges or you know, hardcore people that run a node that can like you know, that are hardcore into looking at some of the analytical data, they're able to, um, they're able to see values that are non-related to the, the current trading spot price. They're able to see where, where certain values line up with where crypto could be in the next point in time. So it's not all about like, oh, well, Bitcoin price cash is down. Like, Okay, duh. We all know that. Like, but what does that say? What are what are people able to uh, look like? Are we able to take an analytical value past just the number of the trading price? Like, what is going on here? There's this coin that's going down, yet they're upgrading the network. It's not like we're this fucking coin, like you know, that's just like going into oblivion on some kind of robotic Twitter. Like, and that's just one thing. That that's just one thing. I don't believe personally that Bitcoin Cash is the first coin to like be looked at and analyzed from this type of perspective. I think before uh, 2000, before the split, I think Dash was one of these coins that they did this. I think Neo uh, played into this. I think Litecoin played into this. And I still think they're just as important today uh, in this this value system of where, like, what are we tracking here? Because obviously the price is one thing, but we know crypto is a lot more than that, right? So I think um, I think Binance does have a lot of uh, play into this. I think that's the reason we've seen Binance balloon against Bitcoin core price. It's been one of the best performing coins. And it's because CZ is trying to say, hey, motherfuckers, I know what is going on here. And I'm going to balloon my bag to show you what's going on because I know. So you guys try to fuck with me. I got all this extra liquidity on Binance coin now, and I'm going to show you how much power I got because look at where my coins at comparatively to Bitcoin core. Look how much of the spread is from $8 US to I think it was $240. So don't fuck with me now. And when he said that, that's when we've seen these 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 world powers, you know, try to try to intervene. So that's just my own speculative thing. It might be the bullshit, but maybe it's not. A real uh do you have so i have a grafana dashboard of a bunch of different bitcoin cash stats and if you're interested i can send you a link to the public version of that so you can follow some of those stats as well um so i have things like price uh block size minor reward overall how much fees uh excluding the coinbase reward per block unconfirmed transactions all that kind of stuff uh, in the past six hours the highest amount of unconfirmed transactions was uh, about 1700 um but also because of the emergent coding guys down in australia we've had uh over the past week quite a few blocks that have been like eight megabytes interesting i only saw the blocks were under 
one megabyte. But again, that might be from where the data is being pulled. I looked at could have been wrong, right? Yeah. So, so I would, a yeah. bit info charts is a lot of where I go to get my charts. But again, that might be inaccurate. So a it lot was of, only it was only briefly. It was only like for a couple blocks at a oh, time. Oh, like a like a spike, a spike, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So that that let, let me just say what let me add to uh, what Jet just said. So you know. When we see these interesting spikes, right? We saw this with the overnight repo market back, I think, uh, back in, I don't know, before COVID. We see these random spikes, right? Those are indicative of something weird going on, right? I mean, it's not a normal thing just to see that spike, right? I don't know what the, I don't know what the data point was suggesting. Jet, what was it? You said it was uh, the, the eight megabyte block size basically just increased out of nowhere, right? So it's not completely out of nowhere. For the past couple of weeks, they've been doing, uh, I don't know the full scope of their project exactly, um, but they've been doing quite a few testing uh, tests where they'll send out, you know, tens of thousands of transactions at a time. And from what I understand, those are supposed to represent agents getting paid for contributing small pieces of code to an overall project. Um, so, I mean, it'll be more interesting, I think, of course, when it's out of testing and whatnot. But yeah, so I think over the past two weeks, there have been probably like four or five nights where I've seen the block size go to six megabytes, eight megabytes. Um, and so, you know, the talk about block size has actually come up again. And some people are like, are they spamming the mempool and all that? Um, I think it'll push for, you know, more. I mean, I'm hoping I'm definitely reaching a little bit here, but I'm hoping we go towards a like dynamic adjustable block size. Um, but yeah, it's not. It's not like normal everyday user kind of behavior, but it's not completely random. We know where it's coming from and why they're doing it. What yeah, do you think about an uh, adaptable block size as well, too? That's something we discussed on the last episode. There's been more chatter about yeah. that in the community. Are you Adapt in favor yeah. Of that? yeah, I am a favor, favor of that. And let me tell you why. And I think I addressed this before we started the, the podcast I or live stream. So uh, RBTC, I think it was general general protocols. Like I was telling you, I read something on there. I think it was recent. A lot of times when I reach RBTC, I've been fishing for something that might have been on there for quite some time, but I've reached it just now. But I believe it was recent. Um, they were talking about uh, basically like pulling the block size down in times periods where we don't need uh, to have you know. 32 megabytes because there's no reason for it, that kind of thing. And, 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 and this is just my speculative, you know, thing here, but in that, in that whole thing, and I don't know if it's possible, I, I don't know how to build this stuff out, but it seems like that there should be a way to throttle the block. If that's a proper word, throttle the block size down uh, in periods of slow uh, adopting or whatever, however you want to call it, whatever slow periods, downturns, and then maybe a way to algorithmically speed up the process the transactions that are happening. So it's more profitable, profitable for miners that are mining this. I don't know if there's a way to do it, but it seems like that would be a way to increase the um, price kind of artificially. But we all know, uh, you know, when we see these big price jumps is when, I mean, I bought Bitcoin cash at 122 last month. Uh, just simply because the price went up to 122, I wanted to buy, buy it, right? So it's just like mindset. <laughs> the FOMO. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm getting FOMO'd at 122, and I've bought most of my Bitcoin cash, you know, 270 or whatever. So there, there is that. I don't know if that's possible. You know, I know that you had people on there. Maybe there's a way to throttle the block size down to get more attention on 
a artificial price to uh, bring people on. And I think, yes, that is a good thing of being able to, I don't think you use the word throttle down, but yes, throttle down the block size and make it profitable and see if people come in and then, you know, the miners get, get, I would assume, you know, that maybe it's throttle too, or maybe it's not, but, you know, gain some attention around, we, we need, we need that, we need that price to just kind of, you know, go up to two, $300 real quick. I don't think the, I don't, I don't think the, the people in the Bitcoin cash community, um, would start dumping. So I don't think it would be like this like detrimental thing where it got out of whack. But uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that question. I think if it's possible, I think that, you know, it would be beneficial for Bitcoin Cash. You know, uh if if we have you know a hundred people in a room and nobody's gonna sell if it goes to a thousand dollars, you know, and there's no malicious stuff from the exchanges happening, you know, pump the price and see if you know the miners can maybe maybe benefit or you know, the, the devs can maybe somehow benefit from that so we can, you know, get to the next next uh, point because that's really the, the main, I, I think that's the only thing that's uh, hurt Bitcoin cash uh, over the years, right, is the price against Bitcoin, uh, which even though it's not a personal problem to me, uh, you know, somebody viewing it coming in might see that as something they're not interested in if the price is, you know, going up like we've seen on like some of these other coins, Solana and some of these that have newerly uh, came in and ballooned gone down. But uh, I think that would be a good thing um, for any of the devs watching. I don't know if it is. I would (laughs) like to see some, I would like to see some, some uh, whatever to do. Uh, You know, obviously there's probably a threshold too, where they see like, oh, well, we're raising the price artificially and these idiots are selling, like, we're going to stop this now and punish them type thing. But it's possible, right? Like, you know, there's possible, there's, 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 there's people out there that I'm sure can build this kind of stuff um, in a fashion where it, it, uh, even though it's it's kind of fake in in the short term, you know we kind of know what's going on, but it's like okay, well, um, you know at least people are coming in, right? So yeah, well this so you're referencing yeah, this is this really good article that General Protocols put out explaining their kind of position in favor of the block size uh, automatic adjusting, and they had a number of points that kind of talked about the different options that there were there you, you know you could obviously just have a it could just go up or down a, a fixed amount every you know every two weeks or something like that like the difficulty adjustment or obviously you can have a more adaptable sort of smarter algorithm way of doing it or you can stick with the current way where the community kind of has to all come together and negotiate and argue about what is the correct value but that that takes a lot of coordinating and get, distracts a lot of attention away from everybody moving on with the next thing, right? Why don't we just automate it and forget about it? So I was really glad to see people discussing this this topic because if it was going to be in the 2024 upgrade, then people would need to sort of have come, some kind of agreement on it by November, or if it was going to be the year after, then it would be sort of November of 2024. But we need to have people thinking through these issues and and discussing it now. So I was actually really glad to see them jumping in on that that topic you know um do you know and i don't know if you can even share if you do know but do you would that would that be a way to artificially kind of pump the price uh in the background if anybody does that have anything to do or am i just totally not into i don't know it's not a it's not an angle i'd considered before i didn't i don't think there's no intent for it to really impact the price directly certainly if the uh, limit was coming down because not enough uh, miners were producing smaller blocks, then part of the reason uh, for the limit is as like spam protection, right? And that would mean that 
the idea is you have to have a limit so that if you're going over that limit, then it becomes expensive to spam, right? Because if the price per transaction goes from one cent to two cent for the end users, it's basically cheap. But for the spammer who has to spam up the whole block, it's twice as expensive, right? And it becomes very expensive very quickly. So that was kind of the idea of the floating upper limit was if less people, if the miners are mining small blocks, you've got to bring the limit down a bit because if somebody tries to spam them to overwhelm it, well, it's going to they're going to hit that limit quickly and then be paying a ton of money and they can't, like if the miners want a 50 megabyte block, they can't just be producing five gigabyte blocks. No, the maximum would be whatever, 150 and they would be paying a ton of fees instantly as soon as it, it hit that. So to the extent that it could impact the price i think it would be more about the point that maybe the market would respond favorably in theory hopefully if we got an upgrade like that in because then it would be relieved of any burden you know people have these concerns like what if the community got stalled in another argument another block size war about you know bc bch or bch bsv as to what's the correct amount of the block size limit right so if we had an automatic adjustment then maybe the market would say those guys have fixed that problem and we don't have to worry about scaling getting roadblocked i think that's might be how it would help the price yeah and it seems like too if it was like again i'm, I'm guessing here but it seems like if the transactions were if the, if the block sizes were down and they were able to somehow communicate between the spam transactions coming in and real transactions coming in then you know they could build on those transactions coming in. Therefore, we had an inflow of people coming in. Sure, the transaction rate would would be more expensive to use, I believe, but also the price would be you know the price would go up too at the same time. But again, I'm I'm guessing here. Uh, please take that with a grain of salt. I could be completely wrong from the how that works, but it seems like that could be a thing. Yeah, yeah the chat is just clarifying that the current uh, best proposal from Bitcoin Cash Audit does not would not lower it uh, further than 32 megabytes so where we're at it would not go lower than that but once uh, something like uh you know once a certain number of miners were making bigger than 32 megabyte blocks it would st or were consistently making blocks at or close to that limit it would start to raise it up but it could never fall below the current 32 which makes sense because hardware is not going to go backwards it's not going to get worse so i thought the 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 article that i read said something different but again i could be wrong but i think that one that was by general protocols said uh you know uh, i thought it said something different so maybe go back and read it on your own but if, if they're in the chat saying it then you know, that, might be, that might be the case but I, I thought it was talking about maybe they were talking about when it was officially eight and then they rose it up maybe i could be wrong yeah. but Seemed like the article said something a little different, but yeah. No, it's a, good, a really good article. Obviously, we'll have a link to that and, and people can uh, check it out. So in other news, we've got, uh, this is a bit of individual uh, Twitter drama here, but I will be interested to hear Chadwick's take on this. So for the last couple of months, uh, really, I've been poking away, needling here and there on Eric Wall, who's obviously one of the main Taproot Wizards guys with Udi uh, Wertheimer. And he obviously has this personality that he has on Twitter of I'm like the gigabrain smartest guy in the room, uh, which is very ironic because he picked the wrong size of the block size war and now is essentially coming around to the opinions that the BCH community was right, but he's just doing it like step by step and with rationalizations and justifications along the way. So 
uh, classically that started last year with him admitting, oh, you know, were we the bad guys? Like the big blockers have some points, which is now enshrined in the in the intro of this this show, right? So over that period of time, my Twitter following has slowly been been growing. It used to be maybe 2,000, 2,500, something like this. Now it's 4,600. So my prominence is slowly rising and I'm getting more and more engagement onto my tweets. So every once in a while, I get in there and I needle him a bit. So he made this uh, post on June 6th using the sarcastic font uh, with weird up, you know, upper and lowercase letters. But you have to trust a few ETH devs to give you access to your staked ETH and quote, I wonder what it's like to belong to this group. Are they like in constant awe, blown back of how reality continues to make these weird turns and the unexpected keeps happening over and over. So he's obviously trying to dunk on people that had complaints about how ETH was going to upgrade and said it was never going to work and all that. And then it did. And he's like, you morons, you're surprised by something that was obvious. So I got in there and said to him, I don't know, how did it feel? Like, how did it feel when you realized Lightning Network wasn't going to work? So kind of flipping it around back on him. And for the first time, he was a bit riled up enough to actually reply. So he wrote, uh, you wrong about the on-chain scaling is better than layer two scaling. Me, wrong about the viability of a specific layer two solution. Still seems like you were more wrong here. So uh, I guess hey, his quote apparently. What was the second part? What was he? What was the second part he said? That that last. So he said, he said it still seems like you were more wrong here. So he's kind of saying. He what did he say after that? What, what did he say after that though? What do you mean? He said you. Okay, so the tweet is quote you wrong about that on-chain scaling is better than layer two scaling me wrong about the viability of a specific layer two solution still seems like you were more wrong here end quote so he's saying uh, like he's kind of admitting that he was wrong that lightning network was going to fix everything but instead of saying okay the big blockers were right layer one all that stuff that you and i have been discussing he's kind of coping a bit and saying no no some other layer two will come up and we'll save the day and this kind of caught me off guard because i knew that he was in a bit of cope but i didn't realize it was it was this bad so i yeah, I, I kind uh, of interpreted it a bit different because at the beginning of what he said he said he was referring to he made the statement of and again i'm, I'm going off just what you said i don't know anything about this guy yeah uh, but he said that um you know the maybe you can get uh some ethereum devs to basically let you <laughs> So it seemed the way I interpreted it was he was trying to kind of say that the layer two Ethereum thing didn't work, but he was almost doing like a play on words type thing. And I'm kind of getting a little lost on what I'm saying, but it seems like um, if you got a reaction of him, you know, he's got nothing to worry about, right? Because if he's a Bitcoin max, he probably, <laughs> you know, he has everything. So it's, you know, it's irrelevant, right? I mean, if people don't like Bitcoin cash, then they can sell Bitcoin cash. But if there's, if they like Bitcoin, they shouldn't sell Bitcoin cash, right? Well, that's like, exactly right. Yeah. So he was on the, he was on the wrong side. So I, I, this caught me off guard, but I, I, you know, he's opened the door here. So he's essentially doubled down on refusing to admit that the Bitcoin cash position has been correct the whole time, even though in his own words, he's acknowledging that he had it wrong, right? So I said then, which uh, the final comment in this uh, thread was, I said, wait, you unplugged from Lightning Network propaganda, but still think some, in quotation marks, layer two will appear to save things. Oh, man, 
UTXO layer one greater than layer two scaling. I haven't seen any evidence that was wrong yet. BCH has struggled, turmoil, etc., but none of it was L1 tech issues. Has always run beautifully, end quote. So I was very specific to throw the word UTXO in there because like you said, he was kind of in this mindset of like, well, Ethereum is moving to layer twos, like it's all working out, but the the layer twos on ETH is a completely different story. Layer two Bitcoin. by definition, ETH by definition now, ETH is a layer two to Ethereum Classic, not in the sense of the fork or anything to do, but layer two, it's a staked, Ethereum is staked <laughs> now, right? You have to have like 132 yeah. or whatever, uh, Ethereum to run a, a, a voting mechanism node or whatever the fuck they call yeah. it. So by definition, ETH is a layer two. It's staked, yeah. bro. It's staked. <laughs> and anybody that holds Ethereum before the DAO hack has both of them too. So they can laugh at each other back and forth at each other. They have both. And they can they can make all these, these um, you know, smart ass comments or you know, regret comments, whatever, because they have Bitcoin already. They they people shouldn't worry about this kind of stuff. If they um these same people that are are, are kind of like, you know going back and forth on things like coming over to Bitcoin cash. Now, like if you've been in Bitcoin that long, then like, it shouldn't matter to you. Like if you've been in Ethereum since before the DAO hack, it shouldn't matter to you. Like these things that matter is because these people are trying to take sides on things because they weren't there in the beginning. If I well, was, in was. Bitcoin, that's, yeah. that's the, that's, that's what this is about, right? Is that Eric uh, and I were on opposite sides of the, of the split but the the key point here is that he has in his mind all these big blockers that he has argued with and dismissed and stuff in the in the past but he clearly he hadn't watched this show he didn't really realize what he was getting himself into on this thread he i got him riled up and he just doubled down and said no no you're wrong but he i'm you know was only to been doing this show for two years and i was commenting on reddit before but he wouldn't have known or associated it uh with that so in him trying to uh you know bite back at me he, he kind of bit off more than he could chew and i think probably the next time that we interact maybe he will have at least looked watched some of the show i don't expect him to watch this segment but i'm doing this now so i can link it to him later <laughs> and wreck okay. him with it right yeah. <laughs> we're just we're just planting the time bomb right now because at some stage he's going to look back on this segment and think mate i've been absolutely um wrecked you know so the idea is that you know he's still in this copium mode about layer two but he's now gone on the record as trying to say no no i'm still still right about the layer twos there are no successful utxo layer twos as far as i'm aware they, they don't exist on any chain there's um lightning is obviously failing on btc you've got a liquid side chain that he absolutely hates that he doesn't like he likes drive chains but that's uh vaporware that hasn't been shipped on any uh, chain because of the scaling roadblocks with with BTC Core, like all the layer two stuff is all on uh, Ethereum, you know, EVM chains. So, and that should be obvious to him. Like time is going to validate that more and more. It should be obvious and by the has... 20... It should be obvious yeah. by the ERC twenty tokens that layer two is sure that might make the price go up. But let me give you an example for anybody watching this show who's like sitting there watching that's not for Bitcoin Cash, but you're somehow still watching Jeremy's show. And I know there's probably people <laughs> that are doing that. If Bitcoin like Cash, yeah, so if Bitcoin Cash was 109 or 107 US dollars and Bitcoin Core 
was 107 US dollars. Same price. Would they be still be so bullish on Bitcoin core? And in the same respect, would if the hash power was distributed evenly between Bitcoin SV, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Gold, and Bitcoin Core, would everybody still have the same mindset about any of them? So it's very obscure to think of it like that. But it seems like these Bitcoin BTC maxis have basically worked themselves in a position of defending this marketing brand of what BTC is, but they're slowly finding out that at the root core of what Bitcoin really is and what Bitcoin is actually doing in the presence, they're kind of like, okay, I'm sorry now. <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to say I was wrong. Despite the market, but it's hard. Exactly, it's hard for them. It's hard for them to do. It's going to be a huge L for him to take. I understand he has so much cognitive dissonance built up around this, right? But they they can't really afford to let it leak out, right? This was a bit of a, a slip up where he obviously I got under his skin and he wrote back to me. But I'm yeah. doing it now, talking about it on this show and on these Twitter uh, threads because my uh, you know my channel is going to keep keep growing so it's going to become harder and harder and harder and harder to ignore and at some point he has to come face to face with the reality of the hole that they've dug himself into so it was absolutely monstrously stupid to double if down you're, if you're if you're this. still a bitcoin maxi saying because i'm actually a bitcoin maxi right and what i mean by that is uh, joshua hensley when he came on the show after you jeremy he said a really good yeah. thing that i really found interesting i'm actually a bitcoin maxi but unfortunately, BTC is not doesn't appeal to me in that fashion. So if you're still a Bitcoin maxi, BTC maxi, and you know everything about where we're at, what's gone on with Bitcoin up till this point in time, and you are still sitting there defending BTC from a peer-to-peer -peer payment system perspective and defending Lightning Network, bro, you're not a Bitcoin maxi. You're not, right? Jeremy, I got I yeah. gotta I gotta take a take a break real quick. I'll be back in one minute okay all right <laughs> i have a quick quick little intermission <laughs> jet get in here you're, you're you're loving this do you want to leave a message for eric wall when we link him to this tweet in six months uh link him to this section of the show and, and he has to watch it back with six months of hindsight like this was some 4d chess i mean we've already got him in the intro he's been in the intro for four or five months so anytime he watches the show he's gonna what's going on here like how am I in the intro of this <laughs> this show? <laughs> yeah, I think the intro kind of is enough of a dunk. Like, because at some point we'll get a little soundbite if he revisits this topic of him being like, shit, we were the bad guys. Not questioning it, but just saying, oh, I understand now. And uh, then we'll have that in the intro for a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I, I feel now like I'm in a in a no-lose position, right? Because he has this whole thing of his tungsten cube bets, which he always is proudly trumpeting around on Twitter, which for people who don't know, and I'm not even the expert on all this, is basically he got in these arguments with these laser eye people where they had some stupid take and he said, I'll bet you a tungsten cube, which is like the heaviest material on earth, uh, you know, as kind of a trophy over this uh, exact, you know, whatever stupid point they were making that Bitcoin would be a million dollars in one year or, so, you know, whatever stupid takes that. And he would know that that, so he would bet them a tungsten cube and he's won about four or maybe, you know, three to five of them from different people. Like 
one from Adam back and one from a couple of other people, right? So he thinks that he's on this next level, uh, next level giga brain knowledge of, of Bitcoin and he's calling out people having stupid takes, right? So this is the kind of thing that if my take was really bad, that's completely terrible, you know, it has to be pretty bad before he'll get into the tungsten cubes. But if if I was so wrong, it was so easy to to dunk on me. He could he could make a bet with me, or I could challenge him to a bet. But Eric, when you listen back to this, I did I thought about that, but I didn't do it. Why? Because your best chance to win a tungsten cube bet with me was at the time of this tweet. If you wanted to offer, your odds are only getting worse. And in fact, you will rewatch this segment in six months with six or in twelve months, whenever it is, with the the additional time having elapsed and. Layer twos obviously not working, and Bitcoin ga- cash going from strength to strength, and think my chances of winning are lower than they would have been in the past, and that's an admission to yourself that you would have lost the bet, right? So, in that sense, it's 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 already game over. You know what what can what can he really do at this point? At some point, he just has to take the public L and say like, no, I was completely wrong. But we're just going to be in a bit of a journey as to how we get there, and the same thing is kind of happening in a different way with Udi who has posted today about the fact that he wants Ordinal's creators to hit him up and, uh, you know, so that he can collaborate with them and, and promote their stuff. And he said, and he's written to a bunch of people that wrote on his thread. So I put in a response to his thread saying, hey man, check out this, this episode that we did about Ordinal's <laughs> exposing all the fraud and lies. But at least let me just quickly check the live on Twitter right now. Did it, has he written back to me? Doesn't look like it. So he's he's even though my comment has one of the most likes, the most retweets, the most uh, views of all the people that have written back to him about ordinals, and I've done a two-hour show just about ordinals. You know, uh, he's he can't acknowledge me. It's like the the queen who cannot be named. It's it's Lord Voldemort. I've been thinking a little bit about. We got to get some memes going of that. You know, we're like Voldemort because they can't. It, it's like the outcast, ultra powerful wizards that they nobody was prepared to fuck around with everybody just tried to sideline and forget about that's us and we're kind of going from strength to strength so so this is a, a little bit tangential but we i got into a, got into the chat a little bit earlier and i'm going to make a i want to make a public statement for anyone here okay if any listener wants to take me up on this bet let's go okay we'll have jeremy be the escrow or if you if you even uh want to have a, a different trusted third party will make that happen. So uh, whether or not the B, the BCH podcast will be here if the price goes down. I'm willing to keep talking about Bitcoin Cash if we're at a penny. I'll have thousands of Bitcoin, tens of thousands of Bitcoin Cash if we're at a penny. So my offer is I'll do a two to one bet. So I'll risk twice as much money as you'll have to pay up uh, that will be here regardless of the price. And that'll in, be over over any time 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 frame, right? Yeah, Whatever yeah. time frame they choose. Well, th- that's that's the whole thing. That's how this show is is set up. I think I've mentioned this before on the show. Maybe we've just been talking about it in Telegram, right? But it's it's a self it's a self fulfilling prophecy, right? And that's the whole point with the Twitter clout as well, too. Is that on my profile it says following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency, right? And if you look at that and I have one Twitter follower or five Twitter followers, it, this guy is a delusional idiot. When I have a hundred, it's like, okay, what is this small account? When I have a thousand, it's like, okay, if, I don't know. This is like a, a obviously an active account, a few people involved. Now it's at it's coming close to five thousand, but really the next big breakpoint is like ten thousand. It's like 
that people are people are listening to this like it might not be i don't know who it is or is there some bots what's going on here right and at a hundred thousand you know like the more it's a yeah self-fulfilling prophecy the more people join the more realistic my prediction becomes and the more more people join which is the whole way bitcoin adoption always happened since the beginning you know whatever satoshi said like if a few people think that it might catch on and they get some that's a self-fulfilling prophecy it's the exact same thing and that's the same problem that these taproot wizards are going to have with trying to ignore the bitcoin cash community just dunking on them because they they can't wait us out because <laughs> we're just going from strength to strength and they're getting weaker and weaker over time so uh, i'm really looking forward to the next six to twelve months <laughs> so uh i guess i guess we'll kind of uh leave it at that i don't know chadwick do you have any final uh final thoughts on this this topic yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest, Jeremy, I don't, I don't know too much about what you were talking about, but I would assume that, you know, me not being on Twitter has a lot to do with it. And um, I would say that, yeah, you know, likely, you know, likely, Jeremy, most of the, more people might be following you and watching you and having an impact, um, you know, not just an impression, an actual impact on what you're saying. And um, I think the impact is, is better than any good impression that any kind of Twitter would try to elude their following to believe. So I think that, um, you know, just keep, keep keep doing what you're doing and uh, you'll keep getting what you're getting. And in your case, you're getting some feedback from this guy, this, this, whatever this guy is. And, uh, you know, a lot more people could be watching it than, uh, you know, his, uh, his fake following or his, um, his illusion might be following. And I think that applies to anybody um, taking on any endeavor uh, in life, but especially crypto, you just never know who might be uh, watching and who might be supporting and who might be trolling or, um, you know, in, in this case, hiding from what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. That's that's also a very good point is that uh, by the at, the at the size it's at now, 5,000, you know, view, uh, followers. Is that roughly. good for a Twitter following? I haven't been on Twitter. Oh, it's like, it's like, it's like, a, you know, a minnow uh, size. Like once you get into the 10Ks, you're like becoming a bit of a player and like at 100K, you're kind of kind of up there and at a million, you're okay. like a mega whale, right? So obviously it's just like slowly building up, but you're spot on, which is that if you have 4,000 people following, that means that, you know, maybe 40,000 people are kind of aware of your account, you know, because they've seen it being retweeted or they looked at it or like in this case, you know, it's not that my account is so small that, you know, that Eric can really afford to ignore it anymore. It's already, even though he has what, like 120, 20,000, something like that. So at, at mm -hmm. four, like at, at 100 in his mind, he can just write it off. Like, who is this nonsense idiot with Bcash? They're done. Like, see you later. Uh, he can rationalize that. But at 4,000, it's already getting to the point of like, <laughs> this is a good point and people are listening to what he's saying. So, yeah, it's just a, just kind of a funny thing. But uh, yeah, Eric and Udi, you guys, you guys better start. Uh, coming to the coming to the truth because uh if you keep up with this delusion i'm gonna crank up the crank up the heat so uh you yeah, can maybe crank it up here. <laughs> <laughs> okay next uh next next topic we got here we got uh hash is king which i think is my thought that i've been having around some more sort of positive uh branding and ideas for bitcoin cash i was watching the digital cash rundown with Joel and Esteban, and they were talking about how, you know, they're kind of on board with this whole, you know, the Bcash is a right kind of thing. They've, they've sort of come to that that point of view. However, 
what they made excellent points about is that it kind of doesn't matter. And and that previous slide just, just proves it, right? Okay, it doesn't matter if I can really win a Twitter argument with Eric Wall. We need to actually drive massive demand on chain. You know, we need to get a bit of action going in our community. The, the proof is in the pudding. Like being right in theory, nobody cares. You got to be right in, in practice. So for that uh, vibe, uh, we kind of need some more um, catchier or more viral like branding maybe. So I was thinking about it. I thought, okay, uh, there was some discussion in the Telegram, people throwing back and forth different ideas uh, about creating a new niche that BCH can dominate, kind of like XMR has privacy coins and uh, you know BTC has store of value and ETH has smart contracts. We need a niche like that. So I kind of thought, well, maybe if we had the phrase like, if you had Bitcoin cash is king, so you could have the little Bitcoin BCH B and then just write cash is king after that. So it's people already know that phrase, but then it's kind of becoming Bitcoin cash is king in in, in people's mind. What do you think about that? Is that is that a cool slogan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do think it's uh, are you, um, asking me or Jet too. Yeah, so, yeah, well, either, either. Just chip in, uh, man, in the chat. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's good. I think I've always had the idea too, um, you know, if this crypto, you know, if this crypto stuff, goes in the way I think it's going to go. I've been wanting to go down to the Bitcoin conference, um, you know, and I want to, this is something I've thought about for a few years, actually. I've been wanting to go down there and basically set up a um, a free uh, luncheon, you know, and basically go down to, because the, I believe the convention center is where it's held. That's in Miami Beach, actually. And, you know, rent like some kind of main sh- street, um, license or whatever, whatever you have to do. And then basically just, you know, out of my own, uh, money, basically just, you know, buy thousands of dollars worth of food and have a bunch of people just come over and get a, you know, a burger or a burrito and kind of bring back crypto is supposed to be fun again. You know, you can donate in Bitcoin cash, or maybe, you know, you get one Satoshi, you know, one 10 to the negative eight Bitcoin cash, you know, for eating a burger, you know, for opening up a wallet type thing and just kind of make it this fun thing, you know, and maybe have some, some, some hot girls in bikinis since it's Miami <laughs> who uh, kind of be sitting there serving up the burgers, you know, something very um, unexpected for people going to a Bitcoin conference, you know, just come over here. And uh, you know, if you're, a, if we'll, I'll match you whatever Bitcoin you have in your wallet, if you're a whale, you know, we'll have to talk, but if you got, you, you hold 0.5 Bitcoin, come on over, you know, like we'll, we'll, we'll give you some Bitcoin cash to have a free burger and, and look at these, uh, these hot women in bikinis, blaring some music, that kind of thing. Cause Miami is a real, a good city. I think that that would be just a cool thing, just a, you know, like a booth or something, you know, off to the side of the road or just something people walking up, they're like, well, what the fuck is going on here? Free burgers. I'm going to there, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to walk on over. So it's always been something I wanted to do. Uh, you know, Bitcoin Cash is king. Bitcoin Cash is fun. Those type type of things. Yeah, yeah. well, that's that sounds sick. I could, I would donate to a flip starter. You know, consider next year, uh, maybe you know, consider running a flip starter because I would throw in a, a coin maybe to to that yeah. to get you down there with some some models and by the side of the road just have yeah, a, it'd be great publicity. Fun, like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That would be so good. Great be, marketing uh, team. hyperpunks uh you know hardcore bitcoin cashers end up across the street with free burgers to you know ten thousand whatever people going to the bitcoin conference i mean what a better way to to spread the fun and the reality of bitcoin cash you know it's supposed to be fun right 
I don't know if you're aware of yeah. the meme, but can you also have Costco hot dogs? Yeah, and we'll and we'll and we'll and we'll and we'll make them a dollar fifty, like they've been. <laughs> uh, you know, it can be like the hot dog stable coin of uh, you know minute on Bitcoin Cash. Maybe we can do something <laughs> fun with like cash tokens or something. I don't know. Yeah, so like the the price Telegram group is BCH Big Costco Hot Dog. Yeah, I love it. I love oh, it. Dollar fifty U.S. dollars. Come out, come by and get your 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 hot dog. Yeah, well, I'm I'm gonna be looking forward to seeing that uh, because yeah, I think things might uh, trend. Well, one thing that we do need to do is we just need to have more of our own conferences where we can do some uh, fun stuff like that. But obviously, you know, with all how chaotic everything has been and the price and you know how small the community is, we're not kind of at that clout size yet that we can be having. Like, obviously, we had BCH twenty two, which was awesome, but uh, you know, we'll see like when the next one might be in twenty three or maybe in in twenty four even but there's going to need to be a big uh, surge in the scene what i'm actually expecting is going to happen is if bch starts kicking off uh instead of us needing to come up with all these conferences and whatever instead what will happen is the existing conference operators that run other sort of crypto things will see that there's a niche for bch themed stuff and they'll kind of start appearing in our scene or running you know in collaboration with some existing people in the scene maybe so we don't need to kind of from scratch learn learn how to do all that ourselves i think yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say something so in that in that uh rbtc um thing that we were talking about earlier there's this part of it that says there's this uh social not social economical uh i don't think the split but but basically what i interpreted from this was if you make the bitcoin cash podcast um aka jeremy a you know bitcoin millionaire you might already be, but if you make Jeremy, I'm not. I would if like to you be make Jeremy a millionaire. You have all these other great things happening that Jeremy does. So you make Jet a millionaire. You make me a millionaire. Who basically we're just doing all this stuff for free, which is fine. You know, I'll still do the exact same thing and go through the same motions. But I'm saying the way I interpreted from that uh, RBTC thread was. You have this social economical where you have a divergence of all these people that are in the community already, but yet they're able to do so much more for the community now that the price is ballooned or, or whatnot. It's almost like putting us back 10 years ago. If you were in Bitcoin or maybe you were, maybe you weren't, if you had access to all this money now, you know, would you be doing so much more? Or if we give the money to people that are already in it, well, look what they've done. It hasn't been much. So you know, you have that, 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 that two sides of the coin type deal. And I think one side is, uh, you know, you have a lot, a lot of people doing a lot of stuff. And then you have some people that are just not doing that much that are, you know, make all three of us a millionaire and see what happens, right? You have so much more output, right? Because it's all tied, you know, it might not be tied to the price now, but it gives you the the mobility of doing so much, so many more things in a different direction. You know, Jet might want to do something that he's been wanting to do for, you know, uh, five years. You might do a thing that you wanted to do for the last five years. And you have all these people doing all these things they've wanted to do that's had this restriction on, we're already doing it if the price is down. Can you imagine if the price was up, you know, we'd be able to spend some of our stuff, you know, be a little bit more um, able, right? So, I mean, it's just an idea. <laughs> No, no, it's it's spot on, and and it's a very important point that people need to understand is the Bitcoin Cash community. You know, with all the price declines and stuff, the price declines is not really a problem in the sense that people are posting on Twitter the graph of the price going down, and yeah, fuck off, like that. That doesn't matter. But what does matter is that the community's you know resources are are quite limited, and like you say, what you know goes down can also 
go up. So if that switches around, whoever is listening to the show is picking up some coins and stuff uh, now, then once the once the price goes, like I think uh, people like Eric Wall, like anybody else, they don't really think that through properly that wait a second these guys have been getting wrecked on the price chart but they're still here putting up pretty good numbers like why how would it happening how where is all this money coming well, from I don't, I don't know who eric wall is but why would he be so co- concerned about putting down the guys that the price is going down it's like why is somebody so concerned about kicking the guy who's down we're already down in price so if everything's predicated <laughs> on just price and we're still here. Why are you coming to shit on our party, dude? Like we know the price is down. We're still here, and you're like coming over here to like put us down when we're already down and like stating the obvious the price. Like oh, we failed doing these things. Things I don't know who Eric Wall is. Well, I'm gonna clar- just to clarify, he was not getting involved in any of these uh, price stuff. But I think in his mind, sure. you know, it's it's easy for him to think, oh, these are just these fringe. They're gone. They were wrong kind of thing and people don't really understand well if the price is down and we're also broke and whatever which is may or may not be true it's up to you know individual cases the how how does stuff keep getting done and the fact is because there's such an organic grassroots passionate community like jet was just offering there to just uh take a price bet with anybody because like passion can last you no matter what the price is and eventually that will turn the corner on like results that the market uh, responds to, right? Sure. Yeah, I agree. All right, cool. So we got meme of the week here. I think I think you'll like this one, actually. <laughs> this one might be up your alley. So it comes from uh, Barry Silbert, who, of course, was famously uh, involved in, in crypto and runs BCHG and involves in all these tokens and stuff. And he's also known for really liking Ethereum Classic and also Zcash for some reason. So... Uh, he was talking about in re- relation to this SEC crackdown that we we're talking about on Twitter. He said, uh, no proof of work tokens in any of the lawsuits, I believe. BTC, LTC, XMR, ETC, ZEC, etc. And then this guy here at Riddle245 absolutely roasted him with that meme of the guy finding a butterfly and not realizing that it's a butterfly, but thinking it's whatever you know thing it has in the mind. So he's got the guy is labeled Barry, and then he's got the butterfly labeled Massive Crypto Lawsuit, and then he's got, is this an opportunity to shill my bags? And it's just so true because every single time Barry Silbert can jam the words ETC and ZEC into anything, <laughs> he will do it. So that's uh, that just made me laugh so hard when I saw that because it's, it's so true. It's been happening for years. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Are you a big, uh, big memer there? Well, I, I thought it was kind of interesting to uh, that he chose Ethereum Classic Zcash, <laughs> particularly in the meme, simply because if we look at what Ethereum has became, which is a proof of stake, and we look at what Zcash is proposed to be, which is a proof of stake, yet it's mineable now. Yes. You know, I always like to think there's something going on that I don't see because there's always something. It's some kind of interpretation that I don't see on just what is being presented. So I think. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, I don't, I don't really have any comments today. Am I a meme guy? Right. <laughs> if it's the right meme. <laughs> okay, all right. If it's the, if it's the right meme. Okay, we got last. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm sitting here looking at it. Trying, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to meme out decoding. 
<laughs> all right. I, I don't I don't get it. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Oh, yeah, fair enough. All right. Message to the community. Uh as we always have on this show, every guest, it's a chance to talk to the Bitcoin Cash community. Open slather. What do you think people need to hear? I think people need to hear that we've got to get back to the root core of what this stuff is. We have to get back to the it's time to get back to the basics. It's time to get back to making cryptocurrency fun again. And it's time that everybody in the Bitcoin Cash community does more. We have to do more on every angle. We have to seize every opportunity. And even though these opportunities, you know, there's opportunities that we see every day in crypto that we could do more. And I think everybody should do more. If, if everybody's not doing the most they should, everybody should ask themselves, why? Why are we not doing, why are we not making Bitcoin? If the Bitcoin cash can be better, then why are we not making it better? And that should just be a mindset that I think the crypto community should have. And I think a lot of people in the community that have been around in Bitcoin for 10 plus years, you know, however long they've been in crypto, they, they, they've had this mindset, but they should also be open to the fact that even they can do better. Um, if, if we can do better, we should be doing better. Um, if we can do more, we should be doing more. And I'm not saying we're not doing good already. I'm just saying if there's room to be better, you know, let's close that gap. Let's let's make that let's make cryptocurrency, um, you know, for everybody. Let's let's um, let's move it where we want to move it. Um, and I think that that is is kind of the the closing statement. I'll say. No, absolutely. Love that, hundred percent. Agree. Better, faster, stronger type of vibes. Love that. Okay, we got our supporter appreciation as always. Thank you to our donators. Thank you to patrons, Ricky and HP. Thank you to our sponsor, General Protocols. Check out bchbull.com. Thank you to the Flipstarter contributors, uh, Majamalu, Marcelo, Renegade, Cheap Lightning, Emergent Reasons, Unspent.app, Molecular, Bitcoin Cash Orders, Mini Satoshi, and Callisti. Dot cash that was for episodes 76 to 85 so this is the second to last one we'll do one more episode and then we've fulfilled our obligations there we might see about um running another one so we'll uh get into that as as relevant but uh just a note obviously you know uh, we promise and and we've delivered uh there you have it uh so then we got uh final shout outs uh for the show of course but for that if anybody's interested uh in reading more about all this especially if you're new to the show if it's your first time watching if your name's eric wall and you don't really understand bitcoin then check out bitcoincashpodcast.com uh read up on the start guide yeah, the right. faqs <laughs> Get you're, still, you're still well invited to come over man we're, we're yes. still come on eric you know come on over you don't have to you know people don't have to be afraid of, of what we're doing here people should like what Jeremy's doing. I, I like it. So uh come on over, you know, join the join the join the uh the movement. That's what this this is supposed to be. Absolutely. And so uh final shout outs and where can people find you? Obviously your channel cryptocurrency theory, but is there anything else you want to shout out or direct people to uh at the end of the show? That's it. That's that's the only place I got right now. <laughs> All right. Cryptocurrency yeah, come on, theory. Come on yeah. Come check us out, you know, here to um you know, here to to um, be part of cryptocurrency and uh, Jeremy, love love watching your your show as well, and uh, appreciate everything that uh, you and Jed are doing uh, specifically for 
uh, cryptocurrency and, uh, you know, making this stuff uh, better and better every day. Cheers. Cheers. Jet, any final shout outs? I feel like the viewers, the viewers should almost expect it at this point, considering the last couple <laughs> shout out. Uh, shout out to my dad. Happy Father's Day, everyone. And shout out to my brother for, uh, you know, having recently his second child. All right. There we go. It's actually not Father's Day in Australia. I found out. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to skip on on that one. And my shout out goes to Joe Rogan because he has just been crushing it on the podcast game he's just about to hit his 2000th episode absolutely unreal i was watching earlier today the rfk junior episode still need to get through the rest of that but the amount of quality information and discussion and just thought-provoking stuff it's never that you watch his show and you need to agree with everything that he says or the guest thinks or anything like that but he's amazing at getting a very dense amount of very high quality information out of very important people in a context where there's so much uh, censorship and you know uh, media narratives so that is that's my uh, shout out Jay, you're gonna get in there with that well it's good that you know massive successful podcasters like you still give shout outs to the little guys <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm sure joe will get a boost off <laughs> exactly might get a few new uh downloads we got we got to help out the, the poor struggling artists uh in our in our community you know uh, so that will do it for the show. Thank you very much for watching, everyone. And until next time. So I started realizing that if you can just find strength just a little bit longer, you will have a crew of people following you along the way. And that is another thing that no one can ever teach you. Because you, you're going to have to learn that on your own. You're going to have to figure out how to pull that energy out of your mind on your own. It's not... It's, there's no book you can read that all of a sudden I have it. I've got the technique now. I know how to do it. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, a grind that you have to start and finish on your own.